Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Hey, welcome to God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirlo. Yes, you are. Still am. We are. You are. Not Always we are. Been. You know what? I didn't bring up the God Whispers website, and I can't remember our phone number. It's <laughs> Manly Doctors 13. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. I think it's one Manly Doctors 13. That means if you go to godwhispers.org or godwhispers.com, you will find the phone number. That's right. Go to the contact. And uh, you will be where you need to be. Widget there, whatever it is. and All of your God Whispers needs and, uh, and just every episode. Now, as I understand it, the swag store is selling out quick. <laughs> Trying to move things to the swag store? <laughs> that's been that's been more abundant. I think I have about ten and a half dollars of sh- of, uh, of uh, what do they call them? Cafe bucks or something like ah, that? Yeah. yeah, cafe press bucks. Someone, someone, uh, I don't remember if it was Facebook of- or or email, but they basically say if I don't stop doing something, he's not going to ask his wife for swag from the God Whispers for his birthday. <laughs> so. It's laid out as a threat. Probably had something Sweet. to do with uh, the robot uh, gospel music or something. I'm not sure. Although I think it was before that. That was yeah. That, <laughs> that was something. Robot gospel music. Well, you already said the uh, website there. I did, yeah. and uh, our email address is godwhispers at gmail dot com. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are just about everywhere, and you can't get rid of us. Okay, we're like two minutes into the show, and we've already taken care of all that stuff. I'm I'm a little nervous. No, we can actually get content done. This is going to be a content driven show. Don't get crazy. I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling the content here. This, wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, now that we've discovered the the new oh, I have to get back to that page now. Uh, the 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 new translation of Walther's Law and Gospel. Th- this is really great. The, this this yeah, is something. Yeah, where did I put that? There it is. It's on page sixty. Uh, the, thanks to Paul McCain and the the crowd at CPH. Thanks, Paul, for uh, getting into our hands a little preview, a sneak preview of the new complete edition of Walther's Law and Gospel, freshly translated. You know, I've been critical of Paul. And and I I need to I need to apologize, Paul. <laughs> I am still angry about the larger print Bible instead of an actual large print Bible. I think it was a little disingenuous to to name it like that. But you know, for we who are sight impaired, I I forgive you. But I thank you for this. This is a wonderful wonderful little gift you've you've given. Oh, us. it's and it's great. You know, uh, I was just kind of scanning through the we have kind of a sampler in front of us here but uh it's really nice because the, they've also added uh little uh paragraphs dealing with Walther's life for the historic background going on at the time that these theses were being discussed and he was presenting these lectures so you have kind of a a, a good historic background of what's what's being said and and also uh there are annotations about the references that he makes, you know, to certain pietists or things like that. So this really fills out uh, the the reading. I, I think this is going to be a great uh, a great historic reference book here. And it's in more contemporary English language. It also, is, which and is nice. I I really like what they've done to the thesis. So uh, the thesis, uh, thesis eleven, uh, just really came much clearer 
on reading it this way. And, and we're going to do Thesis 12 in this half hour, and I don't know, maybe the whole hour. depends on <laughs> what who knows what we do, but Thesis 12. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing if we could do two in one episode? Let's make it a goal here, and let's see, unless we go off on one of our notorious rabbits. I'm, I'm just afraid that if we actually got that motivated here that we just bore everyone could be i i uh, there's, a lot, there, there's a lot to be said for keeping people irritated <laughs> at least that way they're awake if they're mad at you they aren't likely to fall asleep that's right that's so. right just just keep them in a constant state of irritation <laughs> at all times it's my theory that's nice i'm working well, with it, it it works it works for me yeah um hmm. yeah any good meals lately <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Just just clipping along on my uh, we made a on, on my Weight Watchers. Oh, thing that's there. right. You're just on. I, along, you're yeah. you're in the cult of Weight Watchers. Yeah, yeah. I actually discovered you can make onion rings in the oven using fiber cereal. No, and, and it's actually not bad. Oh. It's not great, but it's not bad. Wait, wait. Say that again. Onion rings. It's fiber one. We're talking. We're, okay, <laughs> that, that's here's, barely here's a what food. You do. What that, you, here's that, what you do. That stuff. That stuff made. Out, doesn't that like fifty percent recycled cardboard? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some wood chips. And oh cardboard. man. That's. I think those fiber are the two, one. two major ingredients. Somehow, wood chips and the, the two concepts, the two food concepts of fiber and onion rings, do not go together in my book. Okay, folks. Look, you want a good low calorie little. Snack. <laughs> this this isn't bad. I'm you, losing the will to you eat. Throw, right throw the fiber there. one in in the uh, fiber one. in in the food processor. You grind it up into kind of a flour. You get out the egg whites. You cut up your onions. You dip, wait, 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 dip wait, wait, your wait, onions wait, in the wait, egg wait, whites. Wait, wait, and wait, then wait. Drag them through the ground up fiber one. I heard egg. Did I hear separated eggs? Yes. Oh. Yes. Egg white. You, you can get the egg substitute stuff so you don't oh, have to actually no. do it. Egg substitutes. You know. Yeah. Oh, this barely qualifies as food. This is killing so, me. Here. So you drag your onions through the eggs and then you drag it through oh. the fiber one. You get get it all over the place and you pop it in the oven 350 degrees for about 20, 25 minutes. And it's it, a little ketchup. It's you'd need a lot of ketchup. It's 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 not bad. Not, it's really not bad is not something that drives me to well, eat. Well, it's not deep fried goodness, but at the same time, <laughs> you'd eat it and you go, "Hey, that's an onion ring." Look, the, you know, it's better than the frozen this packaged is, onion rings. This that you is get not at the even. This is not even coming close to the onion blossom it out back. No. <laughs> Have you ever seen the calorie content of one of those things? I don't even. I, why would you even? Look you may at as well that. just drink the grease. Why? You, I mean, you're pretty much right there. I think about it. <laughs> I've been thinking, you know, on my deathbed. Uh, oh yeah. If if you're there and and tending to my needs, which I really <laughs> what, do you, what do you need? Call up the order now. I really, really doubt that you would, unless Paul offered you twenty bucks. But <laughs> right. or I, take me to dinner after you I'm die. I'm thinking, you know, instead of anointing me with oil, could you anoint me with bacon grease? Bacon would grease. Okay? We'll, we'll slather <laughs> you in bacon grease. <laughs> Make the sign of the cross and bacon grease on my forehead. <laughs> Maybe with a few chunks the, the, still in there. The curative properties of bacon <laughs> grease. I, Bacon's good for you. That that take that would take anointing with oil to a whole new level. If you use bacon grease, I think you could raise the dead with something <laughs> yeah, like that. That's, maybe that's what the early church was actually using was bacon <laughs> grease. Bacon grease, yeah. Oh man. Okay, now we've we wasted made some a, time. I'm feeling pretty good on I, that. You know, I wanted you to feel better about that. Yeah. We, we made a great dish the other night. My my wife. Um, we I, I mentioned last. Uh, 
the last episode that we we came into a good supply of uh, kind of locally made chorizo. Yeah, yeah, you were proud of that one. Oh, it is really good, and and uh, of course I've had you know the requisite chorizo and eggs for breakfast. Um, but uh, but Karen made a, a it was it was chorizo and shrimp. Skewered, Ooh. so so you basically take a slice of chorizo and you wrap a shrimp around it and you skewer that baby, and you know you just line up a few of those on on the skewer and grill it. You could do like chorizo shrimp kebabs. Well, that's that's what that's what that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, and and I forgot the season. The seasoning had, I think, two kinds of paprika and and caraway seed in it. Very unusual. Now, if you serve that on pork rinds, that would be. <laughs> 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 Let's serve that it. would be very wrong. Serve it on pork rinds? Yeah, you know, use pork rinds. But I was just thinking of the uncosherness of the whole thing. Chorizo, shrimp. I mean, it's all happening right there. Yeah, you're not that's not gonna be a big seller at the synagogue this this No, summer. and and once again I'm thankful we live we live in the new covenant where there is room for things like bacon and shrimp and lobster and scallops and Although, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of uh not real kosher Folks at the synagogue that might sneak around back for one of those. You know <laughs> going, going for the chorizo shrimp. Yeah, maybe you, maybe some of the reformed oh yeah. Jews that would uh, kind of. I I look. I you know. I don't want to. You know. I. You know the difference between a Lutheran and a Baptist, don't well, you? Go ahead. The Lutheran will look you in the eye in the liquor store. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it won't buy though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All righty. Thesis 12. You want to get on to, we are, we are doing, we are going through CFW Walters. You are not thesis, rightly, uh, rightly distinguishing law and gospel. You know, it, it's, this is kind of like, you might be a redneck if yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> but Yeah, we ought to come up with our own list. <laughs> you, might, you might not be, dis, this is right. This is, you might not be properly distinguishing <laughs> yeah. law and gospel if. Okay. Anyways, back, back to this. You're not rightly distinguishing law and gospel <laughs> In the Word of God, if you teach that the reason our sins are forgiven is because we both believe and are contrite. Yeah, the old translation, then uh, that's that's from this new sampler that we're talking about. Right. Um, the, in the eighth place, the Word of God is not rightly divided. Notice that's in the passive. I hate the passive for any, anything except gospel. Okay. You know, the passive is a weasel. It's a weasel voice. It's the voice of irresponsibility. You know, you don't say... I broke the vase. You say the vase was broken. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the voice of politics, business. Right. Anytime right. anybody weasel words. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. We, we, weasel ease is spoken in the passive. Yes, so, yes. so it's not like you know British Petroleum in in cahoots with uh, Halliburton and what's that other company that's everybody's pointing their finger at. You know, basically have trashed the Gulf of Mexico. No, the Gulf of Mexico was trashed. <laughs> you know, Paula got an email from Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer who is a relative roundabout of the God Whisperers. Um, but <laughs> oh, Really? A blood relative? Not a blood relative. Uh, just a media relative. Uh, but v- Via Rufus? Is via, Rufus via a fan? Rufus. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Cesar is collecting any dog fur that you have laying around the house to soak up the oil at the oil spill. Yeah. In the, it, 
This I, is. I'm this having is true. visions. I mean, I, know, I actually I, got the email. Well, it's more than dog fur. It's any hair. It, yeah, it hair includes in like the sweepings from beauty salons and oh, barber shops. Hadn't and thought stuff about like that. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm having this. We'll vi- shave my back afterwards. Send it to Caesar. <laughs> they could just throw you down. <laughs> the, <laughs> I, I think some you're, ladies just you're, you're uh, gonna, threw up in their mouths a little gonna, bit at home. You're going to shave that's your a, back once a week as your contribution well, to the oil. That's spray. right. That's uh, my way of keeping the earth green. That thing is shaping up as an echo disaster of apocalyptic proportions. Wait, my back or the oil spray? Both. <laughs> But I have this I have this horrible vision. It's bad enough that we're spewing I don't know how many thousands of barrels of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. And being a diver, I'm just grieving. How do we get here? I'm just how? grieving. I took us down this road. But now we're going to dump a load of hair on top of it? Yeah, that's what you want is matted, greasy hair washing yeah. up on shore. And then and then we're going to take the so, the the Russian suggestion and nuke the sucker to seal it. So that's going to that's going to spew up tons of oil soaked fur. It's going to be like one big cosmic atomic fur ball. I just you know what? I just want good video of if they nuke it, just just the yeah, big you just water wanna, spout you, that you, comes up. I want to see You just want to see the YouTube on that. I do. I good do. grief. Anything that goes boom. Talk I'm about talk about. about like doubly trashing the Gulf of Mexico. First you you slick it up, then you nuke it. Sounds good to it's, me. It's just you know you know what this is this this is all of our consumptive technology coming in to bite us in you know, the rear end. This is right just, here, just Darwinism in action. No, we're, this is we're this making is, ourselves extinct. This quicker is this than... is the revelation in action. In in, in Darwinism, <laughs> we would all adapt. The fish would all adapt to breathe oil, <laughs> right? And, and and we would we would adapt to you know basically the shrimp would just be pre marinated at that point. Ooh, see, I like the way you're <laughs> in, thinking now. in petroleum. <laughs> you just can't be petroleum yeah, marinated oil, shrimp. Oil's oh, oil, man. I don't know. It is come Lord Jesus time in the Gulf, I'm telling you. You're not rightly distinguishing the law and the gospel in the word of God if you teach that reason that the reason our sins are forgiven is because we are both because we both believe and are contrite. Right. So in because a, we both believe and are contrite. In other words, contrition and faith are the two parts of repentance in the wide sense. Mm-hmm. And you cannot make um uh-huh. you cannot make contrition of you cannot make trition, contrition a cause or faith right. a cause. Neither contrition nor faith are a cause of forgiveness. Right, right. You really have to focus on the words the reason our sins are forgiven. Yes. It's, the reason our sins are forgiven has nothing to do with us. Right. And so what's the cause of God's what's the cause of forgiveness? Jesus. <laughs> it's God's undeserved kindness, his grace in Jesus. For Christ's sake. That's right. But neither faith nor contrition are the cause of our forgiveness. In fact, I always like to drive this point home. You are forgiven before you believe. Right. Yes. Or whether you believe it or not, you are forgiven. It's an objective fact. Your forgiveness is objective. Yeah, that's. I love uh, Pastor Mark Jasa, who uh, spoke, I think I've talked about this before. He spoke at a kind of a roundtable with an imam and a, and a rabbi. And uh, Jasa's opening words is, Jesus is your Savior. If you want him to be or not, he is. Right. You yes. know, the same kind of thing here. Jesus course, has would, forgiven you. That would give all Armenian, Ar, 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 Armenians, not Armenians. Armenians make rugs, but but our, our, and good food across the street from my. Not church. too bad. Yeah, they're kind of that's an intense community though. They put pickles in the euros. 
There's something wrong with that. You know, you don't. I kind of, I kind of like the pickles. Heroes. You know, Pantera's got a new Cuban chicken sandwich. It's got got spicy pickles in there, and it's darn good. Spicy pickles, I can buy. Darn by. good. Yeah. What were you saying? <laughs> you you started off after the Armenians because yeah. I was saying that. Oh that yeah, Jason when, when Jesus says stuff like Jesus a, is your savior yeah. and stuff, and 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 all the all the the decision theology evangelical you gotta decide to believe types are right. having apoplexy because well, and then they're the, gonna say no he's not your savior until you make him your savior right. or you're not forgiven until you ask for it or you you believe that you are something like that it's the it's the the wall receptacle analogy you've got 110 volts of potential energy at the at the wall but you only get it when you plug into it right Right. Yeah. Well, and then the Calvinist friends of ours are sitting next to them saying, maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now, see, in, the, in Calvinism, some, some get a power cord and others don't. <laughs> so you can, stare, you can stare at that outlet from now until doomsday. If you don't have a power cord, you're SOL. That's it. Right. So the reason our sins are forgiven is because God had mercy on mankind, sent his only son into the world, to die in our place and consume the sins of the world from the cross, and he gave us his life so that we might live. He took our death so that we might have his life. That's why we're forgiven, not because we believe, not because we're contrite or sorrowful, as the case may yeah, be. Yeah, Walter makes this really good point. Contrition is, is the necessary condition of faith. It's not the necessary condition of forgiveness. Forgiveness exists, exists objectively in the atoning death of Christ. So he says, however, while bearing this fact in mind, this fact being when there, when there is no spiritual hunger and thirst, the Lord Jesus is not received. As long as a person has not been reduced to a state of poor loss to condemned sinner, he has no serious interest in the Savior of sinners. That doesn't mean that Christ is not his Savior. He just has no interest in what he's right. offering. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like if somebody's, if somebody's offering food, but you're not hungry, you just don't care. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, but I'm looking for a beer. Depends on the food. Well, that's you. <laughs> but you're oh, on Weight Watchers. You're on. on Weight Watchers now, so it depends how many points you have left at the come end. Come on, of the you're day. not hungry, but somebody made like some phenomenal dessert or something and uh, like, hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a foodie. I, I always leave a little room for something <laughs> interesting. <you know? laughs> nice weaseling there. You now. bet. Con- contrition is not necessary <laughs> on account of the forgiveness of sin, Walter writes, but on account of faith, which apprehends the forgiveness of sins. Here's the reason why we say that the doctrine that contrition is a cause of forgiveness is a mingling of the law and the gospel. Let's let's stop there for a second there. Faith, which apprehends this. A lot of people, when they talk about faith, they're talking about something inside of themselves that they're conjuring up. I have strong faith. Like right. you're a good person. Right. You know, because, well, oh, you have strong faith. You're powerful, you know, but it, it has nothing to do with it. Faith is a gift. Don't forget, folks. So it's the gift that apprehends. Well, yeah, it's, and it's the gift that receives. It, it's, it would be, I, I think the best analogy is the eyeball, that the eye, the eye does not illuminate. It doesn't throw off light. When the eye looks at an object, the eye only receives the light that comes into it. But the eye does not, it's not like it ha, it's a source of light. It only receives light. An eye is a very passive sort of thing with respect to what it sees. And that's faith. It's, it's utterly passive in terms of its reception. It passively receives what God actively gives. Good analogy. I'm waiting for it to break down, 
Nah, well, analogies usually unless do, you're nearsighted. Right. Now, now, <laughs> <laughs> or no sighted like now, me. Yeah, well, now Walter says that the, the he gives two two uh, two accounts here uh, for why contrition is not a cause of forgiveness, but contrition must precede faith. Contrition, he says, is an effect solely of the law. It's the work of the law. To regard contrition as a cause of forgiveness of sins would be the equivalent of turning the law into a message of grace and the gospel into law of perversion, which overthrows the entire Christian religion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's subtle, but, it's, but th- this is right. If you make contrition the cause of forgiveness, then you are, in effect, making the law the proclamation of forgiveness. Because that leads you to self-atonement. Where you do like Luther did, and you flog yourself for a while, so that yeah, you know, that's been you know answered for now. That, because that, I, right. I beat myself enough. I feel real sorry, therefore God ought to forgive me because I feel real sorry. Yeah, the problem is if you if you're serious about that, you'll never be able to flog yourself enough. You know, the trouble to, that, that's that's the root of all pietism too is yep. is that that if I feel badly enough, then then God will forgive me because I feel badly about right. what I what I've done. Uh, Second, contrition is not even a good work, for the contrition which precedes faith is nothing but suffering on the part of man. It consists of anguish, pain, torment, a feeling of being crushed, all of which God has wrought in man with the hammer of the law. You remember Bo Yurt's The Hammer of God? Yes, good stuff. Um, Yeah, but see, that that book is really three short novels put together as an overarching story is about the proper work of the law. Right. And the proper distinction of the law and the gospel. By the way, that's probably one of the best narrative illustrations of the law and the gospel properly distinguished and how pietism of all sorts distorts that proper distinction. Yes. You know, you remember that? Have you ever read that, The the, the Hammer of God? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I just gave my copy away to a friend. I need to get a new copy now. I, I they ma- actually made a movie of one of those uh, short stories. Oh, did that, they really? Yeah, it's in Swedish, I think. No kidding. But it's subtitled. You can get it subtitled. I have in to English. look for that. It's it's the one where the guy's dying and the pastor goes out and he has no words of comfort and the the lady I can't think of her name Katrina Katrina yes and she's there and gives him the comfort. Yeah, the, this is this is I forgot the guy's name. I th- it's Hans or something like that. But 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 he's he's uh, he's dying and he's beyond consolation. He's yeah. he's. He's such a great sinner that that he feels that that Christ cannot possibly forgive him because he is just such a great sinner, and the 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 pietist pastor has no way of addressing this. Yeah, he's got nothing in the toolbox to to address this kind of inconsolable contrition, and it's the neighbor lady who basically first she acknowledges his sin. She says, "Yes, that's right. You are a great sinner." And Christ is yet a greater Savior. Right. And so she, she reminds him that to say that your sin is too great for Christ to forgive is to be proud of your sins. <laughs> <laughs> and and, his, and he, he demands proof. He says, prove it to me from the Scriptures. And she says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes. And, and he says, I believe it. And then she hands <clears throat> him back to the pastor, too, which is the other cool part of the story is that the office of the ministry is not overturned here. You know, by a bunch of pious laymen, but but everybody's yeah. kind of doing their vocational thing. And, and you know, that's that's amazing that she recognizes the office, even though the man in it might be inept. Well, yeah, and no, that's, that's right. Yeah. And his, his theology is, it cannot accommodate. Uh, you know, this this man who obviously has not led a good life and is at the end of his life, and he and he is just just utterly, uh, you know, bereft over everything. That's I, I have many conservative friends who have been upset because I willfully speak of President Obama as my president 
And they, they're like, "What? Huh? Are you a liberal or something?" No, no. But he's my president. You, and, you and have I, to. I recognize his position, I've and seen, I respect the position. I've seen utterly ridiculous blogs and other things. Now, this was back when Obama was elected. You know, the "not my president." Right. Yeah. You know, he's not your president if you're not an American. That's that's right, that's, exactly. that's really about it. You know, but it's just simply an objective fact. And no, you can't just simply weasel out and say, no, he's just the chief executive of the government. You can only say that if you're not an American either, because if you're an American, you're under that government, and he is your chief executive too. What does this have to do with the point, though? I don't know. Okay, I enjoyed that rant, though. Thank we, you. Well, we went off into uh, Stone, uh, Stonehenge? Stone, Stonegren, <laughs> which is uh, Hammer of God. Oh, <laughs> sorry. The, Who? The original was Stungren and Stingren or something like that in the Swedish. It's Stone Stone Ground, I think, is the original. Oh, for Hammer name of for God. Hammer of God, yeah. And and I just kind of got that stuck it's in my a, head. For it's an reason. image, I believe, from Isaiah. Uh, is in my word not like a hammer? And and uh, but but the you know the idea is that that and I like that because a hammer is both constructive and destructive. Yes. I mean, it's an instrument of destruction. Especially in the hands of like a five-year-old, but but it, it, it <laughs> I mean, when you're tearing apart a wall or something, which I'm doing again, but never mind that. But but uh, you know, the, you use a hammer as a destructive tool, but it's also a building tool. I mean, it's the primary builder's tool for putting things together in that. So right. and and but God's word uh, here is you know this hammer that crushes you. Indeed, and and that's what Walter says is actual contrition. It's not a feeling necessarily, but it's a profound recognition of what the law is telling you. In fact, I love this. There's a little sentence in our confessions, and I believe it's, oh, I can't remember what article it is. Article 12, maybe, 12 or 11, um, the Augsburg Confession, where it says, um, confession is contrition. Hmm. That is to say what the law says is, is contrition at its heart. So when the law says you are a sinner and you in contrition say, I'm a sinner, that's what contrition is about. It's not a feeling that you wind up in yourself. It's an acknowledgement of the sentence of the law. The law says guilty. You say, I'm guilty. Sounds good to me. And then the I... second part, Walter says, contrition is not even a good work. For the contrition which precedes faith is nothing. Oh, I've read it. Nothing but suffering, being crushed, etc. It is not an anguish which a person has produced in himself, for he would gladly be rid of it, but cannot, because God has come down on him with the law, and sees, and he sees no way of escape from the ordeal. If a person sits down to meditate with a view to producing contrition in himself, he'll never gain his object that way. He cannot produce con- contrition. Those who think they can are miserable hypocrites. <laughs> they seek to persuade themselves that they have contrition, but it's not so. Genuine repentance is produced by God only when the law is preached in all sternness, and man does not willfully resist its, inf- its influence. Hmm. How how do you manufacture contrition apart from the law? I'm not even sure how that works. Oh, I think it's 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 this this it goes back to feelings. It's feeling sorry. Do you feel sorry for what you've done? You know, usually people are sorry because they got caught. Right. Yeah. Or they're sorry because they're feeling the consequences of their actions. That somehow somehow, you know, the that what's happening to them, you know, the the it's the why is God letting this happen to me sort of thing. And we trace it back, you know, you set the ball in motion. <laughs> right. Why are you blaming God for yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got something else there? He says, owing to their lack of experience, many preachers are afraid they might lead people to despair. 
in, in preaching this way. They do preach as they should, that, that contrition must precede faith, but they fear that unless they add some saving clause to that statement, one or the other member of their congregation may become despondent. For that reason, they, they qualify their statement by saying that the pain one feels in contrition need not be very great and that a person will be received by God if only he desires to be contrite. You know, in other words, kind oh, of pulling yeah. the punches on the law. And, you know, I think it's, it's real... Oh, I hear music. Yeah, we're pretty much out of time here. Well, then we can pick it up in the second half hour. Sounds like a good idea. What are we listening to? This is uh, Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's good stuff. We'll be right back after this. If I had a million dollars If I had a million dollars Well, I'd buy you a house I would buy you a house And if I I wake up Beautiful, harmonious song. I think I have a new favorite song. <laughs> that's nice. Snacks. Snack time. Yes, that's right. This you... is called the Canadian Snack Time. I love it. From the Bare Naked Ladies. I love it. That's great. You gotta love snack time. <laughs> <laughs> I live for snack time. <laughs> These guys have always cracked me up. That's that is great. They uh, when the uh, Olympics were up in Canada, what was that? Six years ago, mm-hmm. four years—I don't know how many years ago. How long ago was that? They, so, well, the, the Winter Olympics just was up there. No, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember the big fuss, the Canadian hockey team. Oh, yeah, it's in Vancouver. I like marshmallows. I like marshmallows. Hi, I'm Harland, and I love blueberry pie. <laughs> I'm Ian Quinn, and I like crackers. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lyle, and I like watermelon. Chocolate. I'm Ben, and my favorite snack is a three-pound lobster. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm on that. Hi, I'm Hannah, and I like salt and vinegar chips. Hi, this is David, and my favorite snack is Japanese rice crackers. Japanese rice crackers. Not a good one. Hi, I'm Jason, and I like macaroni and cheese. Hi, I'm Arden, and I like popcorn. Hi, I'm Gord, and I like peanut butter and crackers. What? Hi, my name's Millen. My favorite snack is cheesy. Hi. This goes on for a while. <laughs> That's just something else. I'm getting hungry. I don't even know what my favorite snack is after this. Gruyere cheese. I, 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 Gruyere cheese. I, I, just, <laughs> I snack on Gruyere cheese. I'm, I'm trying to think. You of, heard it here first. Okay, I'm going to make you disgusted now. 
Uh oh. My my snack lately has been these uh chocolate drizzled rice cakes. Oh which is really I've gone off the deep well, end. Well actually by by uh, by drizzling them in chocolate, you may actually make them edible. I one one bag is two points <laughs> my weight watchers. <laughs> How long do you have to live like this? Um, you know, it's pretty sustainable because I get to eat real food. I'm I'm not usually hungry. I'm hungry right now because I was just You're listening to snack, snack time. time, but <laughs> in general, uh, this is something that's sustainable, and uh, we'll see. You know, I'll, I'll get down to like um, you know 110 pounds would be a good weight for me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll be alarmed well before then. Six foot one, one ten. I think that's no, that's, that's a good, that, good I, weight. I, I, and, I don't think uh, so. Then I'm go I'm going with a Rush Limbaugh idea. Is you go underweight, and so you can slowly gain the weight back it gives you a little longer window to gain the weight back i like his theory on that which i won't actually do you're staring at me like i'm serious <laughs> yeah i i no i i don't think that's good for you i no, i, I do all, think really. i do think though that uh, the the queen elizabeth approach is really a good one because they they asked her how how she just, just cinch cinch me up real no, tight is no that the... no no but you know she has to attend a lot of state dinners and, oh, yeah. and those those can be pretty um rich but but she says the key is you don't eat like this every day, and, oh, and I've you seen this say that she was bulimic or something. No no I but I've seen I've seen this in a lot of different variations. Rick Bayless uh, has a good philosophy of eating. Yeah, he's a he's the chef of Topolabampo and the Frontera Grill in Chicago, great restaurant. Uh, but but he talks about you know. You, during your and, and he's a chef. You know, a lot of chefs are pretty. Beefy. Oh yeah, yeah. That's but but he, he says you know during the course of the average day you you eat small, you eat you eat well, and then but but you know once a week you sit down and you have a good blowout meal. Just 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 do it. But it, but it, then Queen Elizabeth said the same thing. Is is she compensates for a lot of uh, big state dinners. When she's not on like that, just just light meals, salads, and things like that. Mm. So the whole idea is not what you eat every day, but it's really averaging it out over a week. It's kind of convenient when you have a personal chef, though. That helps. Yeah, that would be nice. I do. You know, I th- I think we should My start wife. getting paid for the God Whisperer so I can have. So personal you can have a personal chef. chef. Yeah. Oh, I have my wife. Unfortunately, I am Paula's personal chef. Yes, part, yes, so. you are. No, I have the domestic goddess, and, yes, and my goodness, I and mean, she cooks up a storm. There's something very strange blinking on my screen here. Hmm. So I don't know what. What the what? Let's uh let's go back and look at thesis twelve again. Get the point. Uh, retrieve the point. Hopefully, now that we've. Uh, Finish snack time. Are we done with snack time? I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I've noticed back. <laughs> <laughs> Do you notice on Facebook if you post anything about food, you get like a hundred responses? Yeah. But if you have your deep thought of the day, you get maybe crickets. One or, one or two people that you just, go. No, you just get crickets. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> that, that shows you the depth of Facebook right there. Usually I post on food, though, because I, I, I have found um, that if you post on anything anything else as a pastor, you get in trouble. Yeah, I just live in trouble. And then everybody defriends you <laughs> or stops believing. That's actually... All because of something you wrote on Facebook. Hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, anyway, back to thesis. Uh, I, we're on 12, right? Well, wait a minute. I'm looking at my Facebook right now. Let's, oh, gosh. I, I just want to see what's happening here. Let's, let's, Are you writing about snack time? Let's see. I, I could. I, I might, <laughs> I, I might, uh, I might just, just sort of pop in on snack time. My latest here. post on uh, 
on Facebook is I'm waiting for Swirla's computer to unfreeze so we can record another riveting episode of the God Whispers. <laughs> and, and now, did you did you post that? Yes. But, but now look how riveting we are. My, we, we we have digressed to waiting for you to post something on Facebook. That's how low we've gone. Crickets. Sure. I'm not saying anything anymore. I, I'm going on strike here. All right. You're, 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 I'm going to make you pull both oars of this wow. show. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even have the book over here. I thesis, just have the thesis. Thesis you're, 12. You might be a redneck, if. You, yeah, right. <laughs> you're you're not rightly distinguishing law and gospel and the word of God if you teach that reason. That, 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 why can't I read this one? If you teach that this the is, reason our failed. sins are forgiven is because we both believe and are contrite. So the reason that we believe or our sins are forgiven is because we believe and are contrite. It's, it's, that is it's a falsity. Easy, it's easy to keep straight. Neither your faith nor your sorrow over your sin is a cause of your forgiveness. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, it makes sense. Anything in you, if anything is a reference point in you, it's going to be uncertain. Because let's face it, your faith wobbles up and down. Your contrition wobbles up and down. Uh, I mean, so, sometimes sometimes uh, you are quite sorry for what you've done. You really wish you could be rid of this. Other times, well, frankly, you kind of take it around the block for a while. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I Now, this is, I'm not saying that's a good place to be. Walther says that's a very bad place to be, that you're, you know, you're comfortable with your sin. But, but you can't make the cause of your forgiveness something in you or even something that God does in you. Okay, so let me ask you this. If we hold something outside of God's forgiveness, are we still forgiven of them? Objectively, but not subjectively, I suppose. Okay, explain that. I mean, holding, what do you, what, but what do you mean holding something outside you know, of God's You know, I realize I should feel guilty for X, Y, or Z, but I just don't. See, but that's the feeling. I mean, thing. I know that it's a sin, but I don't want to stop, and I'm not going to right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> then repent of that. <laughs> But am I am I still forgiven, even though? But the problem with that hypothetical is that you. It's not hypothetical. I've heard it lots of times. No, I've even thought it a few times. But it, no, but it is a, a hypothetical. A few times a day. Because, because <laughs> why would you ask if you're forgiven something that you don't want to be forgiven of? Uh, because I want to test the. I don't know. See, that's why it's hypothetical. I want to test. You know, I've 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 had somebody say that they've just declared this is what I do. And I say, well, you know, that's sinful in, in the eyes of God. And they say, well, I don't care. You know, and I said, well, you know, this is precisely the sort of stuff that Christ died for and forgives. And I said, but I don't need, I don't need forgiveness for that because, you know, I don't care. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, that's the thing is, is if you ask, am I forgiven, that's already coming out of a contrite position. Well, you know, this is usually the uh, confession of a 19-year-old college student who's uh, getting busy with his girlfriend, and he knows he shouldn't, but he doesn't want to stop or something like that. Yeah, but, but uh, see, that's a hypothetical future, too. You know, I mean, she might dump him. <laughs> Which usually happens one way or and the she other. she will. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. In, you know, in due course, they always dump you. Yeah. You know, that, except the one that, that agrees to marry you, and, you know, the rest is history. Or you dump them. I tend maybe. to be the dumpy. Yeah, I went through that phase. Yeah, I, I was the dumpy. I, I just never, you know, long story. Don't, <laughs> nice, nice slurp. Thank you. But, 
The domestic goddess puts up with me, and that's really that's really the. Uh, you the got a good woman thing. there. Oh, my wife say. is stellar. You don't deserve her. I don't. No, I don't. Not at all. Now, my wife, on the other hand, I don't deserve her either. But <laughs> you don't deserve your dog. No, I don't. Rufus is a great dog, and your wife is very cool. Although he leaves little nuggets in the backyard that I do deserve. So, yeah, well, see this. <laughs> in fact, he serves that purpose. Your dog tells you on a daily basis thou art a man and not a god well yeah and i i serve my dog i have to go out and scoop his uh-huh. poop See, and so the, that that's what i'm reduced to is, is the, the amazing, guy who scoops poop this that's, is the amazing thing about a dog a dog treats you like a king and adores and worships you he treats you like a god but then he poops all over your backyard and you have to clean it up boy what isn't that a metaphor now a cat treats you like crap and makes you clean up its crap. See, that's consistent. <laughs> that's what I like about cats. You know, I've seen cats trained to, to actually go in the toilet and flush. I've heard stories. I've not. I, I've not seen. Go personally. on YouTube. You can see video on YouTube. Although it may be doctored, I don't know. But I, you know, I've heard reliable stories, and there are actually products out to train cats to use the toilet as litter box. Right. Right. It's basically like a litter box insert. In how did we get onto this? I wonder how many cats have disappeared down the toilet by accident. A, the cat's pretty big. It's not going to go down the toilet by accident. Kitten? Maybe not a even kitten? a kitten. Kitten would clog the toilet before. No, there's no way. There's there's just no way. It'd be very wet and scamper out, and you just have one sort of wet fur ball. I'm just wondering if it's actually an accident or or they're just they can't handle it anymore. What? And they flush themselves. You know, cats. What do you mean they flush? What do you mean they flush themselves? Maybe you know if they fall down the toilet and they, they don't flush themselves. Flush themselves. No, maybe. no. Most cats are fascinated with the toilet. Yeah, so are dogs. Some like to drink out of it. Yeah, dogs too. Yeah, yeah. my dog's a little too weird shaped to get into the toilet. <laughs> yeah, well, your dog. Can your dog actually get up to the toilet? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. he comes up to my waist. Yeah, you know, yeah that's true. Now he's he's a strange dog. But lovable. Corgi Weiler. Yeah. No. Corgi Weiler. I mean, <laughs> it's one of a kind. It's it, it, a one-off. But wasn't that, that, that kind of crossbreed forbidden in the book of Leviticus? I'm sure it was. <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, yeah I, don't think, I, I don't think Rufus would have existed in the Old Testament. He's forbidden under Levitical law. Yeah, he, he kind of goes with bacon, shrimp, and lobster. Yeah. Yeah, that's Not true. as a dish, but just as an example. No, you don't want to eat that dog. No, 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 no. Although I heard the black ones do taste good, so <laughs> maybe, maybe we do want to you eat know, them. Who? Came, I just want to know who came up with that. I, uh, I don't think it was intentional. That that that, that frightens me at some deep level. But uh, we're talking yeah. about contrition here. Do you want to do you want to talk about David for a I've second? Told, I've told Paula lots of times that if there's a famine, I'd eat the dog. <laughs> that's that's. A, I would not touch the cat. I would. Yeah. Well, there's not. Cat enough. may have to fend for itself. There's not uh, enough meat on a cat to last you more than no, one meal. No. Rufus would. I mean, Mm-mm. you could eat three, four days off Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just wrong. <laughs> and 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 this whole segment was introduced by snack time. Snack time. That's right. Okay. I'm sorry. Back to uh, some sort of theological nonsense here. <laughs> what? <laughs> mumbo jumbo, you know. Theology is nonsense and mumbo jumbo. Gibberish. No, no. That, Gibberish. that was all that was all that preceded this. this oh, is back I knew to something this, was. Back I to got, this back to the back to the serious point. Yeah. Um just checking a mic level here. Check, check, oh, that's check, nice. check, that's one, nice. two, check, check. Um Walther talks about uh yeah, let's see, where where say others again probably say to their hearers that contrition is necessary. 
mm-hmm. uh, and that their reason tells them that God cannot forgive their sins, which they treat so lightly. Then they proceed to describe to them what must be the quality of their contrition. And they, they look to texts like Psalm 38, I'm troubled, I'm bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day, my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, there is no soundness in my flesh. Ew. I am feeble and broken, sore broken. I've, I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. I'm weary with groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch. This must be the King James. I, I water my couch with my tears, etc. Legalistic pastors will ask their client. <laughs> that's the, I'm sure that's not the word. Legalistic pastors will ask their parishioner. The client? Their Does client, it say client? It says client. I'm reading client right here. Whether he can say all these things concerning himself, whether he's ever gone bowed down and has been mourning for a whole day, whether there can be a time when his loins were dried up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've had those moments. (laughs) I'm not sure what to make of that. What, dried up loins? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, just leave it there. Okay. whether he could say that there was uh, there was no sound part in his whole body, I'm getting darn close. Uh, whether he has wailed because of the unrest in his heart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He says this method is utterly wrong. Be true, the text cited describe David's repentance, but where is there a text that prescribes the same degree of contrition for everyone? You know, that's the mm. thing. Is you know, this gets back over and over and over again to normative experience. You know, that is somebody has some kind of a religious experience and then everybody's got to have the same one right. to be sure that you're in on it. Right. Whether it's it's the Mormon burning mm. bosom, the the John Wesley uh, heart strangely warmed, whether it's the the deep contrition, the emotional contrition of the pietist, the ecstatic speaking in tongues of the Pentecostal. It, all of these things are these these individual experiences that become the normative experience for everybody. Well, this is a kind of gibberish that I grew up on, you know, that uh, in order to have had a really great conversion, you had to have been strung out on drugs or a violent yeah, criminal. Right. Yeah, you have, or, to, you have you know, to be face down in the gutter in your own pew. I was, yeah, I, I was a pimp. I had uh, 32 prostitutes working under really? me. I was what? strung out on heroin. Is this and, your testimony? Or? Uh, no. Holy this is the mackerel, fake testimony I that I've heard from others oh. a dozen times. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I I had this horrific upbringing. I was beaten daily, blah, 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 blah. And I was about to kill my wife and my kids and everyone else in the three-block vicinity. And then the nice man on TV told me about Jesus. I fell to my knees and wept, bitter tears of sorrow. I went and hugged my children and my wife and said, we're Christians now. And now now I'm qualified for ministry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> that's, that's it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a gonna be, psychopath. I, I'm going to be had some sort of weird religious conversion uh, 15 minutes ago, and now I'm qualified to be your pastor. Because I now those of you who have grown up in the church, uh, I need to know exactly what day and time of the day you gave your heart to Jesus, so that I know that you're actually a Christian. And uh, by the way, your life hasn't been horrific enough to actually be a pastor. Yeah, so yeah, um, there is kind of a strangeness to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had these conversations because my personal testimony is boring. You know, when you're baptized at five weeks old and you grew up in a Christian family and you've always known Christ, there's not much to there's not much to say. There's no big sort of turning point in your life. It's just there. Yeah. Um, the old, I was born, I was baptized, I grew up a Christian in a Christian family, and uh, 
you know, love the gospel and went to seminary. Now I'm a pastor. Well, that's boring. Yeah, right. Now, <laughs> you, you, boring. you haven't earned your stripes somehow. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, the thing is, though, I do say that I shudder to think what my life would have been like apart from Christ. Ah, yeah. See, it's kind of like the reverse thing. Okay, so you had your face down, you know, in your own vomit in the gutter story. And I could easily have that story too, too, except for this little fact is that I have had Christ in my life, my entire life almost. And and so, you know, the, I don't know if that explains why I might... didn't end up in the gutter, but it's it's kind of like I'm thankful I was spared that testimony because I might be in jail today. We might need to get tattoos to prove that we could have gone in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, get your tats I'm, anyway. I'm, I'm, That's right. You know, capable of having been a biker. Yeah. Or, I, or, I a, or a banger, yeah. I could have, you know, I could have done some prison time. Yeah, I didn't, but you know that that the, that propensity is I, there. I love that video that I showed you. About, yeah, uh, yeah. You gotta have your you gotta have tattoo your, to your show tattoo that you have a past on the inside on the inside of your arm. So when yeah. you extend it out uh, to the, uh, the 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 masses, did you of notice what the tattoo was? It, well, it's 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 it says it's like I was or something like that. I, I thought it was the Yahweh, wasn't it Yahweh? He, I, I look at it carefully. I'm not sure, but it it looked like it, it was. It was some some tense or form yeah. of, 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 of the I am, I am. yeah, right. As in Hebrew, <laughs> in for he- those of you. Who oh yeah, seen well it. no, yeah. if not in Hebrew, then it, then you have to have some cool Asian lettering. Well, yeah, which but- I like. George Carlin. George Carlin has a great line. He goes, "You think you're being spiritual? Really? Those that Asian tattoo that you got says broccoli with beef." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't say what you think it says. Yeah. Uh, number three let's combo. Ten, let's stencil something weird on the white guy's arm. <laughs> you know, it's like a big joke in the Asian community. No, no, it means, how come, how it come, means serenity. How come you have broccoli and beef tattooed to your arm? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Walter goes on to talk about David. And uh, you know, you know the story in in uh, in Second Samuel of, of David's. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a classic story of of con- repentance, contrition, absolution. The whole thing is 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 Nathan and David. You know, he points out that that David lived in impenitence for an entire year. He says when Nathan came to hold his awful sin up to him, and with a contrite heart, David cried, "I have sinned against the Lord." That was all. You know. That's all it says. He just said, I have sinned against the Lord. And the prophet David noticed at once that David had been struck down and was crushed. And accordingly, he said to him, the Lord has put away your sin. You know, it's that simple. It's that clean. Not, I've sinned against the Lord and I'm going to amend my life by uh, going and feeding the poor in Calcutta and kissing lepers and stuff well yeah and also not not uh you know nathan saying but are you really sorry how yeah. sorry are Prove you that you're yeah sorry. yeah show me show me some sorrow here david yeah. i mean you know i mean david was outraged he he basically pronounced a sentence on his own head when when nathan <laughs> told that parable of the yes. guy who barbecued the guy's the poor man's pet lamb for his guests right you know, and it's great. I mean, that is a great narrative. I yeah. love Second Samuel twelve and thirteen. Uh, b- by the way, if you want, if you ever want to really kind of have fun with that narrative, look at Second Samuel twelve and and the the uh, seduction or is was it a seduction? Uh, uh, but the the infidelity with Bathsheba and then the attempt yeah, to cover. Yeah, who was seduced? Whom? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Is is Bathsheba does not on second reading. On first reading, she comes across looking innocent, but on second reading, she's not so innocent. Yeah, you know we, the the other. 
other thing is, it's Does not. You have so, a stripper pole on that roof, or you know what's up here? Well, uh, the other. I mean, when when you're bathing in view of the palace and you know the king's home, there's something going on. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, this is all done through intermediaries, so this is no secret. I mean, David sends for her, uh-huh. and then when she discovers she's pregnant, she sends message to David. She, they, they're not whispering this to each other in secret. They're they're sending messages. Yep. You know, this is as dumb as Tiger Woods, uh, you know, <laughs> text message, te- texting his girlfriend. Prehistoric texting. Yeah, yeah. So he's like busted any which way here and all the courts talking, you know. And then he tries to pull the subterfuge of Uriah. And here's the great question in that in that narrative is, does Uriah know? Well, uh, he's got to know. So. No, you see, so? I, I, you know, on, on like the fourth reading, and I, I took the guys. We were talking about the Saskatchewan guys. So I you took think that's why he won't go home to her and stuff? Uh, there's no. He's too loyal. His lord Joab, not not David. His lord Joab, the commander in chief of the army or the commander of the army, is in the field. He's not going to lie with his wife as David did. So, so his actions stand <laughs> while his in, troops are in the field. You better yeah. believe it. So, yeah. so Uriah is is not as big a dupe. I mean, he he comes out. Uh, it, there's 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 like a deep. It's almost a Shakespearean tragedy going yeah, on here. Yeah, there is here. that. Yeah, and and but it's it's great because the the narrative takes on a whole different color. But then here comes David pronouncing the Lord's judgment on the thing in the form of a parable, and all that David says is, "I've sinned against the Lord," and all that Nathan says is, "The Lord's taken away your sins," yeah. and everybody says, "What? Yeah, that's it. There's got to be that's all there is." Well, but huh? then David loses his son. He loses the son, which is you know, prophetic of Christ. The son of David dies for the sins right. of his father. It's great. Yeah. And and, uh, and uh, the house, the sword never departs from David's house. Right. He never forgets his sin. That's the other thing. You know, people think, oh, you know, forgive and forget. Yeah, you're never allowed to forget. It's even in yeah. Matthew, you know, uh, Solomon by the wife of Uriah. <laughs> Not by Bathsheba, but by the right wife of Uriah. You know, just to underscore and point out that that the successor to the throne and and the the typological—I never noticed that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. That, that the the adultery is just laid out there for you to for you <laughs> for to generations. See. Yeah, right. Permanently, oh, permanently etched in the history and the genealogy of Jesus. See, and and this is you know once again God chooses the biggest doofuses to be his his anointed ones for various tasks, and you know I look at the apostles. They're they're all to a man very deeply flawed. Oh yeah, well and, of course, but yeah, you know, that's that's the point. And the prophets of old also, you know, and if they weren't weird enough, God made them weirder. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, yeah. He put them into a weird calling. Yeah, but you know, here's here's the point, and 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 Walter has a number of examples. David, he's got the Philippian jailer in in the Book of Acts, uh, but all of these have the same point: is that is that people are brought to the key question, and the key question is how them. How then can I be saved? Right. Or how is there forgiveness for me? And the and they receive an immediate answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And be more contrite. <laughs> See, be, that's, be more that's what they don't get. And that's Walter's point. You know, and, and he lived under that in the university when that when that guy kind of took over their Bible study group and turned them into pietists. Because yeah. the whole idea was you're not ready to hear the gospel till you're good and miserable. Well, so you that, wallow in your sins. Isn't that what penance is? Is it acts of contrition? It, it is. It so is. is is it is it proof that you're sorrowful, or In does part. it actually merit forgiveness? Or, you know, I, what is the reasoning behind the 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 penance? The you know, you confess, you get you know, eighteen Hail Marys, three Our Fathers, and well, those those are different. Those are works of satisfaction. They're intended to offset uh, temporal punishment. But as you pointed out, David incurred temporal punishments. 
in spite of uh, the sentence of forgiveness. Wait, if I say enough our fathers and I don't get temporal punishment? Yeah, or, or time in purgatory. Oh, pur- purgation. The, yeah. the, great, the great time out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically <laughs> spiritual, time out. spiritual time out. But, but no, it has nothing to do with meriting forgiveness to en- enter heaven. It's just simply uh, mitigating temporal punishments, whether in this life or in purgatory. So if I have a That's lot not of, what we teach, but I'm, I'm just repeating. Yeah, yeah what, no, what, no, no. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the, the common misunderstanding. Here. If I have lots of anonymous gay sex, I won't get AIDS <laughs> if I say enough our fathers and Hail Marys. Uh, that's kind of the idea. That's really messed up. Yeah. Now, now, and and if you do see, then you then you say more, and and even if you do, you probably do about ten thousand years in purgatory for that. Ah. See, but but the whole idea is it, it's 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 designed. The intent was to offset temporal punishments, which our confessions say. Look, David's prima facie example. He's forgiven totally. He 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 basically dies as a justified justified sinner, you know, justified for Christ's sake, and yet, you know, he incurs temporal punishments for his for his adultery and his murder. Yeah, well, you know, just there's... like just like the murderer can be forgiven in Christ and appear before God spotless and blameless and go to the electric chair. <laughs> right, God forgives you, but the state of California might not. Actually, and, the state of California will. Texas won't. <laughs> the state shouldn't forgive you. That's not in the forgiveness business. There's a price to pay. <laughs> well, here it comes, folks. What? Oh, uh oh. Yes, there it is. That that music can only mean one thing. We have come to the conclusion of yet another episode the of Parties the Over, God folks. Whispers. It was great. We're gonna miss you. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend. Raise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may sound different, but the message is the same. It's just an instrument to praise His name.